I'm Janet Roper, and you're listening to the Reawaken Right Relationship Podcast. Welcome to this place where we have conversations about creating, nurturing, and sustaining right relationship with all sentient beings. Hey folks, I'm going to invite you to espresso your gratitude for this podcast. If you love listening to this podcast, as I listen to so many podcasts, I'm kind of a podcast nerd, I always think that the podcast is for free because I'm listening to it for free, right? Well, you know what? To consume, yes, podcasts are free, but to create and produce, no, they are not free. Because creating and producing podcasts, it's a labor of love for me, but it's still a labor because there's writing, researching, providing commentary, providing community, contacting guests, interviewing, recording, sound editing, creating the script, creating the social media, promoting. Did I forget anything? Oh, yeah, I did. Um, There's also website and internet expenses. And all of this to provide content and a podcast that hopefully inspires or informs you and leads you to expanded possibilities in the world. How about showing your support by contributing the equivalent of one cup of coffee? That contribution would be greatly appreciated and a great way to show your backing of the podcast that I create and the labor that goes into making it. So the best way to do that is you can either go to my website, janetroper.com, and you will see the link there for Espresso Your Gratitude. Or you can just go to the episode page here and you will see the link to be able to make a contribution. Thank you so much. And it is truly your contributions and support that makes my work sustainable. Our guest today is Jim Two Snakes. Jim is a shamanic practitioner who has been trained in lineaged Peruvian shamanism and is based in Jackson, Michigan. He has been serving his local community for 28 years. Along with his wife, Angie Stovall, he facilitates a monthly metaphysics discussion night that is open to the public. He hosts the podcast Around Grandfather Fire and holds Caro Peruvian fire ceremonies and teaches workshops and classes throughout the year. In this episode, Jim talks about how he practices right relationship with people, money, and boundaries, and also clarifies how he experiences the difference between happy and contentment. There's also a reference made to an elusive teapot that appears, but neither Jim nor I know why. Perhaps someone who is listening to this needs to hear from that teapot. Thank you, Jim, so much for being on this episode of Reawaken Right Relationship. It's a delight to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I know, I know. And I just want to give the listening audience a heads up that we've never met before officially. Um, and we don't know what we're talking about today, but I know it's going to be damn good. And I can't <laughs> wait to hear what it is. So thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, this, I've been looking forward to this uh, all week now. So this is great. Oh, cool, cool. So um, 
let me ask you, Jim, I asked this of all the guests. It's the first question right out of the gate. What does right relationship mean to you? So that's a hard one, you know, because I, I really kind of mull this over and I go back and I re-examine it every once in a while to make sure that I'm still feeling like I'm on point with it. And even then, you know, it changes for me constantly. So I think the best I can boil it down to is having the best possible relationship with reciprocity with all the beings on this planet, including the planet herself. Excellent, excellent. I love what you said about how you go back and revisit it because it is a growing thing. Being yeah. in right relationship, it has to grow. Otherwise, it's not right relationship. Yep. Well, one of the, the, the most profound and impactful pieces of spiritual advice that I was ever given uh, actually came from a chaos magician, if you can believe that. But his statement to me was to sometimes to do the work, you have to accept that there might not be an absolute truth. It requires constant reexamination of your beliefs as new information comes in, either physical or spiritual. And so does that mean that we need to be willing to live in the mystery without oh, answers? Completely. I don't think we have much choice. I mean, we have, we have chosen, depending on how you look at things, our soul or souls or our higher self or however you want to term these things, um, has decided to live a very limited sort of life. We have chosen to confine ourselves to a physical space that we occupy with other beings. And we did that for a reason, and that reason is growth. And so if we don't constantly re-examine, we are really missing the boat. Uh, I think you're right on that, yeah. And, you know, sometimes when you're saying re-examine, and in my mind, I like to think of it every six months. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it feels like it's every six weeks. And in this day and age, sometimes it feels like it's every six minutes. It's so constant. Right. Yeah, it really is. Because, and then, you know, there's so many things that come into it. When you're dealing with right relationship, like I said, it's all the beings on this planet. So, you know, has, and, and you know, and I'm like, I'm like everybody else. There's times where I struggle, right? We're all going to do that. We all have these points where we have days where we're not as attentive as we should be. We're going to have days where we're distracted or whatever. And then there's going to be the other days where it's like, wow, I, I just really learned something profound from watching the bird feeder this morning. Oh, wow. I was at work and I learned something profound just by watching how this chipmunk is using this garbage that's amongst our storage units at work to, to, to build a life for itself. I'm, I'm astounded by this message that I get from a tree. And so it's like they're rolling in like crazy. And then it might be kind of just reflection period for a few weeks until something else happens. You, you just kind of never know. Right, right. Which makes it very exciting. It uh, does. Jim, you had said, uh, you had mentioned a couple times um, with all the beings here on earth. Mm -hmm. And now when you're talking about beings, are you talking about the beings of nature, like the animals and the plants and the trees? Or are you also talking systems like um, uh, political systems, educational systems, weather systems? <laughs> yeah, all of the above, really. Um, because there is an inherent life in everything. So I'll share, uh, you know, my traditions, as I was taught, we deal a lot with the stone people. So uh, looking at it in the fact that the stones that I interact with have different personalities. But we can expand that out further, like the, the foundation stones of my house. My home has a spirit 
of its own. My car, a lot of people know their cars have spirits because you give them a name and you mm -hmm. treat them a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, or one really great story. Several years ago, my wife and I were looking for a location for our metaphysical store in, in downtown Jackson. And there was just no space open. There was nothing. And we were kind of, this is where we want to be. So what do we do about that? So I went downtown and there was a very old theater called the Michigan Theater of Jackson. And it has a nickname, the Gal on Mechanic. That Mechanic Street is the street it's on. The Gal on Mechanic is this theater's nickname. It's known for that all over the place. Beautiful old theater with all this gothic sort of structure inside. And I went down and I made offerings at the theater. I said, hey, old gal, you are the grand old lady of this downtown can you help us out a little bit? And I left her some offerings and made some prayers. And within a week, a space opened up. So oh, that, it applies to all these systems. I got truth bumps when you said that. That is so <laughs> majorly awesome. Um, now, how do you know when you're talking with a spirit um, mm -hmm. and you're making the offerings and you're making that connection, how do you know that it's not just wishful thinking, that you're hearing what you want to hear? <sighs> Okay, so how honest do you want me to be? Oh, uh, just I'll, go for broke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to treat it to you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it to you like I, I would tell it to my students, which means okay. we don't. Okay. Mm -hmm. On an absolute level, the spirit voices that I hear in my head and the feelings that I get, they could absolutely be a manifestation by my subconscious or the greater sort of super consciousness of, of humanity. They absolutely could be. I can't rule that out. However, I am very firm that when I'm in the moment and making an offering or conducting a ritual, I give myself permission to believe 100%. I hear what you're saying. And could it also be, and this might be a very simplistic way to put it, but the proof is in the pudding because a week later you got your spot. Oh, yeah, it sure is. And yeah. You know, like if, if we're talking about the, the shaman of old, you know, the, the big joke I always used to have with some of my friends was, uh, you know, you're either a good shaman or you're a banished shaman because if you can't make the corn grow, you're going to get kicked out pretty quickly. And, sure. and so there is some, and you know, I have a philosophy that I, I, I have taught to many other people that I call spiritual accounting, which means that anything is not just me. Um, and what I, you know, we've all run into the people that believe in some pretty outrageous things because they don't, they don't examine things very thoroughly. So with spiritual accounting, what I recommend everybody does, is a process of journaling, of talking to other people that are working with the same spirits, of constantly examining and re-examining, using divination if that's appropriate for your system. You're constantly trying your best to verify sources. And, and the funny thing is about spirits too, is that some of them are just like people. They have things that they're better at than others, right? So uh, the example uh, often used in my, in my talks is that my old uncle might have been a grouchy old cuss when he was alive. So he's the great guy to ask to guard the door of my house and make sure there's no spiritual intruders. However, don't ask him about love advice. Just because he's dead doesn't mean he's wise. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Can you say it again, please? Would you repeat that? <laughs> yeah, just because he's dead doesn't make him wise. And, and, and it goes for all sorts of spirits. The, the yeah. 
the uh, the walnut tree, the black walnut tree in my yard. I love black walnut because it's a very good plant spirit for for guarding its boundaries in its space, right? Um, black walnuts, they, they drop the walnuts and the husks are actually pretty toxic to very few other plants. And so they create their very firm space. So they're really good at, at boundary issues, especially if you're having problems with a relationship or leaving one, go talk to a walnut tree. However, I'm not going to ask it for money advice because they just, that's not what a trees know about money, right? <laughs> so right, right. That's the, that's the and, sort of thing. And trees know about relationship. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. They're also interconnected with their root systems and everything else that they absolutely know relationship on a, on a level that we don't. Right, right. I think that they live it on a level that we don't too. That mm -hmm. they experience it on a level. Yeah, yeah. So Jim, going back to right relationship, even though that's what we've been talking about, <laughs> um, how does right relationship show up most easily in your life? Because you said at the beginning, we're all connected and all that, and we're all in right relationship. Mm -hmm. But my experience is there's some ways for that to show up easier in my life than there are other ways. What's uh, one or two ways that it shows up easily for you? Um, it shows up easily for me. Um, oh, excuse me. Strangely enough, I think it has to do a lot with the the people in my life in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And and I'm going to explain that in the sense that as I think about things like how I interact with my wife and my kids and my coworkers, they not only show me good reciprocity and how I need to express it, mm -hmm. but they are my training ground for understanding how to have a proper relationship with that same tree or my my animals or something else like that because the human beings are able to give me the most immediate feedback does that make sense it does it's human talking to human we understand the human language exactly exactly and so it teaches me a lot especially when i'm dealing with people that are outside of my comfort zone that might have a different outlook than me, a different sexuality than me, a different anything. And so it teaches me to stretch those boundaries. And like I said, constantly re-examining. So that's one way. Um, and that extends to a lot of different levels too, because that also extends into my ancestor work. I have a very large ancestor altar and that's one of the first places I go and I make offerings there and that sort of thing. And I think about the, the wisdom and the things that they've imparted on me and how I can be a good ancestor to the people going forward. And so, you know, forgive me, but sometimes a little human centric, I suppose, in some of these regards, but they're, they're, that's how I learn to express these relationships elsewhere. But when you say human-centric, I have never experienced you, and granted, this is the first time we've met face-to-face mm -hmm. -face on Zoom, I've never experienced you as staying in that human-centric. You might use that as a center because you are human, yeah. and that's right. how humans operate, but it's the expansion outwards. No, that, exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right because um, my mental wiring, I can't stay that way. For very long there's always something that wants to talk to me or interact with me and that sort of thing so i'm very blessed in that regard and and uh but so yeah when i say human centric i i really literally mean that is the area like i said the area where i learn a lot of these interactions i learn about reciprocity i learn about right relationship and then i can expand that outwards mm -hmm. 
Um, I just want to tell the listening audience that we're on Zoom, and so Jim and I are watching each other, and we both talk with our hands. Oh, yeah. Our hands I, are flailing all over the place. <laughs> I've never met anybody who talks so much with their hands as I do, and yes, there's Jim. Oh, yeah. Wow, you should see it when I'm doing ceremony in front of a crowd. I am, I am like a cartoon the way I'm jumping around and waving my arms. But that is a form of expression, too, a form of right relationship. Oh, it sure is. It sure is. Matter of fact, that's why I like doing the various podcasts that I'm on or interviewed with. I like doing it with video because the facial expressions add so much. The hand waving adds oh, so much. It's really hard otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when you're in that human-centric, let's call it a classroom, mm -hmm. are there times that you just want to like pull the blankets over your head and say, no, I've had enough. Oh, completely, completely. I think, boy, I, I don't think we'd be normal if we didn't, you know. Um, I've got a thing where I, 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 the joke, and my brother shares this with me, this, this trait. It's something my, our mother has talked about. We have this tendency to put ourselves in timeout. Like, I'll come home from work, and I'll just go in the bedroom, and I'll shut the door, and I need like 15 minutes. I need those 15 minutes to make sure that I'm treating the people around me like they should be treated, the treating the, the, the everything in this busy farmhouse of ours like it should be related, uh, should be treated. So I have to like put myself in timeout for a few minutes because people can be overwhelming. They really can. Yeah, especially like when we're tired or what mm -hmm. is it? Hu hungry, angry, tired, I halt. Uh, I forget what it is. Oh, the, the hangry sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Um, you know, particularly, and then it gets so easy to just say, no, I told you to do this. Why aren't you doing it? Yep, instead, exactly. Instead of looking, you know, where that person is coming from. One of the things that I find most fascinating is that um, when we're working in right relationship, um, I'll say with the trees and the animals and the stone people, um, that we also have to be in right relationship with the human people. Oh, yeah. In a, in a way, to my way of thinking, it doesn't count the work that we're doing with the animals and the, the stones and the trees. I agree. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I'll show you. Uh, you want me to, I'm going to share a slightly embarrassing story with you because that's what I do. Um, the stone people. I love working with the stone people. I have some of the most amazing information and energetic interaction with, you know, a simple piece of quartz that I picked up from my driveway. But the uh, back when I was being uh, more actively mentored by my by teacher, we had this time where we were doing journey work and we were going to the underworld and we were going to meet the various stone people and learn how to really interact with them and, and what their wisdom was and that sort of thing. And the really embarrassing moment for me was when my stone that was acting as a guide took me down to the realm of the stone people I heard him tell the other stone people to be patient with me. And I thought, so a stone has to tell other stones to be patient with me. That really says something about me, doesn't it? <laughs> I love that story. I think it's so beautiful because, again, we all tend to look at life and how we react to the stones through our human senses, our human eyes, and also I think our human entitlement, too. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's really good to hear that a stone is telling another stone, oh, just be patient with him. You know, <laughs> give him some space. He, he means right. well. He's doing okay. Humans, and they're all flighty and hot-tempered. We have to be yeah. careful with them. Yeah, we're so good at being humans, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, it's like um, the story with my horse that I had. Um, he's now an angel horse. His name is Shiloh. You might have seen some postings on him on Facebook. Um, but he was always just saying, 
you know, just listen to me. You're so good at being human. You got to stop being human and listen to a horse for a change. And it took me a while to do that, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm human. Why would I listen to a horse? As much as I loved him, why would I do that? And then all of a sudden, it literally, for me, Jim, was like a light went off. I don't even have the words to explain how it happened. It was just mm -hmm. like, oh, hello, of course I should be listening to this horse and that stone and right. that plant and that tree and that uh, electrical system. You know, one thing I really feel compelled to talk about really quick is that um, I've used the term hearing and you've used it and we've used the term seeing and that sort of thing. And I think that something that's overlooked a lot of times is that that hearing or seeing doesn't always mean quite as literal as people think that it does. Um, a lot of this time, it's just a sense or an inner voice. And I, I, I want to say that as often as I can, because I've had a lot of people get tripped up by the fact that they're not interacting with the information like the books say, or like other people say. And so, I don't know, I think that's an important thing to get out there. If there's a stone that feels like when you're sitting with it, it's bringing you peace and it's got a message for you about your state of mind or your day or something. Yeah, listening doesn't necessarily mean you are literally hearing a voice. It might just mean all of a sudden you have this understanding or you have this gut feeling, this intuition about what the stone's telling you and that is valid. Yes, well said, very well said. And I also phrase it as how you receive the information. Because mm -hmm. it can, I love it when like it comes through music or it comes through dreams. It doesn't come oh, through yeah. dreams too often for me. Um, but I think that's because I am such a talkative person that it usually comes to words for me. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask you. There goes that talkative stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, um, when you're working with a stone, okay, are there ever any stones that just say, I'm not working with you. You're not my dude. Just get out of my face. Um, I don't usually have them be kind of the get out of my face sort of thing, but there's definitely ones that it's just like, it's, it's just not my stone to work with. Yeah. And that's fine. It's there for somebody else. It's, you know, my, my, another hearkening back to my teacher and, and she always used this reference with squirrels. Um, she'd say sometimes a squirrel is a messenger. Sometimes a squirrel is just out doing squirrel things. And, and I think it's for the stones too. Sometimes a stone is a messenger for you. And sometimes a stone is just doing stone things. And, and it's not always our, always about us. You know what I mean? That's part of the right relationship right there. It's not always about us. Yes. And how do we learn that? <laughs> um, by having stones tell other stones to be patient with them, probably. Um, and by having horses tell you to get your act together. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I just think that once we start opening up that door, that window, whatever you want to call it, it's, um, gosh, I'm going to use an old term here, but it's almost psychedelic, you know, yeah. that there's so right. much that just comes. It's like Walt Disney and, um, oh, what is that? What is that one, that one movie that he did? The one that just really was out there. Oh, yeah. uh, Fantasia. Fantasia. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Sometimes we are living in the world of Fantasia right. instead of the world of Michigan or Montana. <laughs> I feel like sometimes it's like the uh, castle of Beauty and the Beast where all the furniture is alive. Like, yeah. ah, you know, like it, it gets weird when not only is your brain telling you the table should probably be wiped down, but the table itself is kind of like use the lemon oil. <sighs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was um, talking to someone the other day, again, on Zoom, and the, the, there's a plant behind me. Her name is Mariposa. 
and um, she's a wonderful, wonderful um, friend. We've got this great friendship together. And she was, she was not telling me, but she was telling my friend that I was talking to, would you tell Janet that I'm thirsty? And after you guys get done, <laughs> give me some water. I'm going, okay, cool. I'm happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah. And I love it when the, um, the, I call them the beyond human sentient beings, when they feel they have enough relationship with our human friends that they can speak to them too. Right. Exactly. And give, and the humans can give us message in case we miss it from the, uh, you know, the, the non-human sentient beings, <laughs> which, you know, there, that's always a thing too, to be aware of. Yeah. So with the right relationship, you said that it was with people that you feel in your life. Is there any other area that you feel? Well, obviously, I, I think, you know, everybody, like I said, everybody's got a relationship with their car. <laughs> I've done a lot of work with my car. I used to have really horrible car luck, but I, I like developed this understanding of how to give it a name and talk to it and how to take care of it and how to have a relationship with it, that, and, you know, um, the animals around our house, they do so and our yard, like, and I can't even say it's our pets because yeah, the cats factor into it. And so do the chickens, but we've got our, our, I I am blessed enough to live in an area where there's just deer in the backyard. There's raccoon, there's sandhill cranes, there's all these things. And our, our, our daughter often says that we're like a Disney movie because you don't see this in the yards around us. You don't see it in the neighbor's yard. You don't see this happening across the street. No, they're always in our yard hanging out. I'm like, gee, I wonder why that is. You know, that's so interesting that you say that. And I can totally see it, you know, from what you're saying and everything. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the proof being in the pudding. Mm -hmm. You know, that the um, beyond human sentient beings are reflecting back to us how we are living. When I was uh, leaving Minnesota, or not leaving Minnesota, but the house that I had owned there, and I was moving to a southwestern suburb, there was, and this is not a joke, because you know, you can't make this stuff up, there was a murder of at least 60 crows in my yard that were there to bid me farewell, and it was just like so cool to witness that, and it was in my yard, and I'm watching, and they're just staying, you know, within the the human boundary of my yard, and it just brought me to tears. It was just wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. I think that when we all start looking at the world through our beyond human eyes, that we will all start recognizing stories like that in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And we may just chalk it up to, ah, you know, it's just a coincidence. Ah, you know, it just happened. Um, I was just lucky. But there's more to it than that. We got to delve down into that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we can have relationships with some things that people don't expect. Um, I, for example, um, money, the spirit of money itself. There's a lot of times in our, in our lives that we're experiencing either financial crisis or pressure. We're working ourselves too hard to get a bill paid or something like that. You can have a relationship with money that is a lot healthier than what our society has. Our society has a really terrible, it's not the money that's bad. It's a lot of times how people are using it. And you can actually have a relationship with the spirit of money, which can have profound effects on your life, making you a lot more mentally stable and happy. Absolutely. And so much I find of it, and let's just stick to money for a while, okay, is that we have to buck the system of mm-hmm. what all the gurus tell us that we should be doing. And if you're not doing it like this, you're doing it wrong. And if you're not, you know, making $75 billion in five minutes, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> um, and 
we have to buck that system mm -hmm. to be in relationship with the, the um, sentient being of money herself or itself or his self. And that takes, I think it takes a lot of courage. It takes training, it takes courage, it takes time, it takes perseverance. It sure does. And it's harder, obviously, and a lot of yeah. times the circumstance that we find ourselves in, like I said, if you're in a financial crunch or something, it makes it a lot harder to, to build that relationship. But it's, it's something that you have to pursue a little bit harder to, to make it work in those circumstances. And I think that the training that we've done before coming up to that situation with money um, also helps us. Mm -hmm. So just being willing to buck the system a little bit, you know, or just being willing to um, maybe believe that, yeah, if I'm talking to the money, maybe this is going to make it easier on me. Just mm -hmm. going into that world of what if, instead of, you know, Googling everything and doing whatever Google tells you. <laughs> well, one of the most important lessons that like with money, with the relationship that I learned uh, with the, the spirit of money itself was that it's, it, it is a very good example of reciprocity and a right relationship because a lot of it is about how the money goes out of your life, not just comes in. There's a tendency to want to say, I need, I need, I need, but you're going to, your relationship with money requires you to think about the money that you spend. You know, you are spending a few dollars on a product in a store, which is giving someone else a job. You're putting a few dollars in a charity tin. You're putting a few dollars in the bank. It's not just the money that you're keeping. It's the money that's going out. And that became, becomes a whole bigger cycle. It becomes the whole larger relationship. It, it's, it's kind of amazing, really, once you start to dive into it. Right. And the relationship then goes beyond you and the money itself, as you were saying, to the workers, to the, um, the, the creators all around the world. Mm -hmm. not just in your immediate neighborhood, even though that's where you may be starting. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. you know, the, 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 our, our friend Kelly talks a lot about uh, uh, Fehu, the rune, and that's associated yeah. with cattle. And that's a lot of where the mindset that I have with money came from, because I grew up on a farm, right? And so I saw exactly what it was talking about. Fehu is wealth and wealth is money, but you can't, hoard it all to yourself if you're if you're trying to hoard all your cattle you'll never have enough resources to manage all those cattle by yourself much less grow your herd so you're hiring workers you're sharing your wealth with them they're taking cattle for themselves they're you know it's all this it becomes this big village and so i had to think about how to Think about money that same way in that relationship. And so that's a good example for a lot of things that we're talking about with the right relationship is how does that become a cycle? How does it become your family? How does it become your village? How do you interact with it? Exactly. Um, Jim, something's been coming to my mind for the past few minutes, and I don't know why, but I have to ask you this. Mm -hmm. um, tell us what you know about teapots. About teapots. That teapot has been coming to my mind for about the last 10 minutes that we've been talking. So I don't know if it's something that somebody needed to hear us say teapot or a story. You guys <laughs> or yeah, no, nothing's coming to mind quite with teapots. I'll have to think about that for a minute because it'll, it'll, it'll never be something I think of as soon as we're off the air. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's the way these things work. I'll have to think about that though. Teapot. Yeah. Yeah. And it might've just been the way my mind works that we were talking about Disney and you know, then I got to think about teapots. <laughs> yeah. and, I hear you. Know, you. 
and I drink tea and, you know, there you go. So it could be something as simple as that. <laughs> and part of that right relationship, as we talked earlier, is discerning what is mm -hmm. and what is we think it might be. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's back where I talked about, I do a lot of journaling, bullet yeah. journals, uh, uh, you know, just kind of talking to other people that doing the same yeah. sort of practice because it's always yeah. a constant matter of, of sorting these things out. I always figure that, that, like I said, we're not always hearing real voices, quote unquote, air quotes here, real voices like we might hear from another person. So a lot of times we're interpreting this internally, which means as the joke goes, that it has to go through our meat filter. And so what's going to happen is that stone or that tree, they might not be able to know the words, but they know the images that pull certain emotions out of you. And those are the images that they're going to give you, the smells, the recollections that they're going to give you, because that's more the language of how spirit speaks. Right, right. They don't have dictionaries like we do. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, so that's good to know. Listen to me speak enough knows that I, I don't probably have a dictionary around here either, but that's another thing altogether. Do you ever make up your own words? Oh, constantly. Oh, isn't that the most fun? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and and uh, silly nonsense nicknames for all the animals. Yes. Especially ones that you can sing silly nonsense songs about. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that is a very profound way to be in, yes. in right relationship as humans. Okay, maybe this is the Aquarian Janet talking, uh, but it's got to be really serious. And, you know, you've got to do da 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 da, da. But this, the um, silliness of it and just singing um, and just having a good time with them. I think that that goes beyond the words, that goes beyond what our mind is saying, mm -hmm. and goes back to the relationship itself. Are, are you familiar with the term glossalia? Um, kind of, sort of, not exactly. Can you go a little deeper sure. into it? Glossalia is, is something that comes up, especially in some of the uh, um, older traditions, and it's a process of going out and say, say, for example, I need to pick some clover. So I might go to a patch of clover and I will start making random noises until I hit on a vocal pattern that just feels right. And I just keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it because the plants are interpreting my sounds and my, they're taking in my breath. And so the words aren't as important for them as the actual energy I'm using as an exchange. So may I please harvest some of this clover? I have to use this sort of sing-songy nonsense sort of words to appease them so I can ask for some of the clover and leave the rest behind and they've received a gift from me and I've received a gift from them. But, uh, yeah, glossalia can be a lot of fun running around just singing nonsense words to plants. I think that could go with beyond plants too. Oh, certainly could. Yeah. That was just how I was taught. It was first it was with plants. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever find that the plants hum to you? Hum? Uh, you know, I hear a lot of them. Uh, I guess I never would have thought of it as humming, more of a singing sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think of it as humming. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's just with my house plants. That's the relationship we have. But, you know, if everything is copacetic, then there's this really peaceful humming that's going on. Mm -hmm. And everything is not copacetic. And I'm not talking to a friend that they can talk to to tell me to water them. You know, all of a sudden there's like <laughs> silence. And it's like, okay, what's going on? I need to wake up and listen to what, why they're not humming. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that once we get to that relationship, um, 
I don't know. It, it's just, again, psychedelic. I wish I could think of another word, but it, it truly is. And I think the thing that so surprises me about it is it's so different from the way that we relate with humans. It opens up such a different side of us. It does. It does. And I think that, but there is a factor in there sometimes where that can get overly demanding as well. No joke. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where, like I said, we're, we're using humans as, a, as an example. There's times when I really have to stretch myself to put myself in someone else's shoes or understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And it can be the same way with any of the various other beings that we interact with. And sometimes it becomes too much. Sometimes I'm not ready to internally accept that change. Sometimes I just need some time to sit on it, that sort of thing. And so that happens too. I don't want anybody to ever feel bad that there's times when they get can get overwhelmed by it. Like, you know, the, the, you might know that your house plant needs water and it's very, it's okay. Just like I might be frustrated with my child. That's I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I, it's okay to get frustrated with the plant and go, I know, I know, I know this. It, it can, it, it's funny because it, it runs the whole spectrum. I don't, um, I don't ever think it's this, this this perfect balance of a relationship right if as if that makes sense it's it's a very organic and flowing interaction where it's not always like uh, moonbeams and unicorns sort of thing. Took the words literally out of my mouth, yes. <laughs> I was going to say that. Some of my best memories, as a matter of fact, of my Angel Horse Shiloh. Yes, you know, those, those lovely moments when we were, you know, having a great time together and all that good stuff. And But some of the the most beautiful moments I have is when one of us was just acting, frankly, like a total ass, and the other <laughs> one had the, the emotional stamina to stand there and witness that and just say, you know, yeah, you're being a total yep. ass, and I'm here for you at, when you get your act together again. I totally get it, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just amazing. Um, I started out life, I don't know if you know this or not, um, as an animal communicator. Well, actually, that's not true. Um, I, many roads to get there. But anyway, in this <laughs> realm of my life, it started off as animal communication. And um, when I would go visit my horse down at the barn, a lot of times his pasture mates would mm-hmm. just, or I'd go walk into the barn and everybody, yada, yada, I'm, I mean the horses, yada, 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 yada. And did you know this? And did you know that? Da, 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 da. <laughs> and um, one of his pasture mates would watch out for Shiloh because Shiloh only had one eye. And, you know, it was like from that other horse's perspective, he could pick on Shiloh, but nobody else could. Mm-hmm. Shiloh. And so that horse, you know, I'd be driving down to the barn and he would um, knock on my um, intuitive door and oh, I've got stuff to tell you. And, da, 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 da. and did you know that this guy was wearing an orange shirt today? And did you know that this <laughs> and this and this? And so I finally just had to, you know, kind of lay down the law and say, look, you know, I'm on my way. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. You can't just pop in at any time. It's setting up boundaries, just like what we do with humans. Mm-hmm. Um, the reverse of that is when he would pop in uninvited. I knew it was something I needed to pay attention to. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. right. Once they, once, and like anybody else, once they, you know, it's getting that text message at four in the morning, you know something's up. Right. Like, if they're going to bother to pop in, there's something going on you need to pay attention to. Right, right, right. Especially as we all work to, to get our boundaries together. Mm-hmm. Speaking of boundaries, uh, what what kind of boundaries or are there boundaries when you're in right relationship with another sentient being? I don't think there can be right relationship without boundaries. Ah, yes. Um, I think that you have to come at a space where there's, there's enough mutual respect 
and enough mutual love and trust to say, I'm doing something else right now. And to know that, you know, when the tree tells me it's doing something else right now, it's not about me. I'm not bad. I'm not terrible. I'm not in that, that I have to trust the trees doing tree things right now. And I, you know, and so, um, but I don't hate the tree for it. So I think that it's impossible to, to have right relationship without some sort of boundaries. Boundaries also imply that you, you recognize your needs and can express them to me. Um, because if you, if you don't have some sort of boundary and I'm intruding on it, if you just let me keep doing that over and over and over again, you're not expressing your needs well. And so there's no, that, that can't be a right relationship either. Does that, does that all make sense? Makes kind of babbling sense. there. So yeah. Yeah. Babbling always makes sense to me. Go for it. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Cause I think we think so much, or at least I think so much of boundaries as being just for humans, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's for everything. I right. think and, everything, and I also think, you know, boundaries, it has, it's a loaded term, right? Like right. we all know that we need them, but we feel, sometimes we feel guilty about them. Sometimes we've been told that they're bad, you know, depending on our background, we might've really been told that they were bad. We might have had someone violate them. So we're really shy about them. There's just all kinds of things. There can be a lot of baggage that comes with, with the term boundaries but we really do need them they are really there for a reason and they'll make us and the things that we interact with happier if we understand them that's not saying that we have to be like walls with them right understanding where is the edge of me and where is the edge of my comfort zone and when am i able to step past it when do i need to stay within it when do i not violate your boundaries that sort of thing it's all very important to know Right. So I think that um, as we're talking about right relationship, it's not just right relationship per se. It's lessons that we learn being humans with other humans, whether it's boundaries, whether it's respect. I always think, um, oh gosh, somebody said this and it it was just so brilliant that when we're connecting to the uh, beyond human sentient beings, that if we use those words, please, may I, and thank you that we learned in kindergarten most probably, you know, (laughs) we're going to get a lot of mileage out of, you know, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. Yeah. So Jim, in the everyday of your life, Mm -hmm. um, what makes you the happiest when right relationship is humming, when it's just going the way that it's, you know, that it's just meant to be? How does that affect you? I'm not even sure how to answer that. I have to think about that one for a second. Um, because I think you answered it right that you, you kind of, you, you had it included in the question to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm finding more as I, as I get older and hopefully a tad bit wiser that it's not ever about happiness so much as I thought when I was younger. Like it's, it's all about that feeling of connection and fulfillment. So like if I can have a good relationship with everything, if I can come home and feel like really comfortable in my house, like I missed my house, my house missed me sort of thing. It's that sense of satisfaction, of completion. And I think that's what I, what I enjoy the most. I'm not, I'm not always striving for happiness anymore. I'm, I'm striving more for completion. I love the way that you um, use that word completion. Yes. So thank you for saying that. that I like that. That's cool. Um, anything come up about a teapot yet? 
No, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that one. All right. we have, okay. I, now, we have, we have quite a collection of teacups around the house, okay. but not necessarily pots. We've only got a few teapots, but um, one of the things that comes with this old farmhouse that I, that I inherited from my, my grandmother is uh, one of the rooms has all these hooks with these huge teacup and saucer collections. These shelves that my grandfather built and we have guests and friends over. That's one of the first things we do is offer them tea, let them choose their own cup, that sort of thing. So, but that's about the closest connection I can make at this moment anyway. Okay. And that's a wonderful lineage too. A wonderful story about the ancestral lineage too, how that is showing up in everyday life. Yeah, it really is. I, 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 I have never felt quite so fulfilled as when I, when I moved into this house. I did not realize, you know, it's one of those things where it's been in our family for right around 100 years. And the, the sense of completion when I moved in here is, is really profound. I feel so very connected to the land and with all the, all the various spirits and beings that live on it. And I, I went out, um, Earlier this year, I was, I decided, you know, it was, um, boy, I can't even remember what day it was. It was probably the, probably um, um, the spring equinox. I went out, yeah, it was, it was the spring equinox. I went outside and I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to take a few minutes and make a couple offerings. And that became all the trees need an offering. The flower beds need an offering. The foundation stones of the house need an offering. This needs an offering. That needs an offering. But it was, um, it was just such a great connection, you know. It's like you can feel your luminous threads woven all around a place, and and that place and those things, those beings interacting, they're interwoven with you. And I mean, that's that's just great. It doesn't get much better than that, really. Yeah, warm fuzzies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, Jim, tell us a little bit about the services that you offer for folks. Sure. Um, I think the, the one that I'm most known for is the Caro Fire Ceremony, also known as the Peruvian Fire Ceremony. Um, I do that for large groups and individuals, whoever, whoever needs them. If they're within uh, a fairly distant, decent travel distance of me, I'll just show right up at your house and we do a fire ceremony to help transform things in your life, which is a, a beautiful ceremony that is a lot of reciprocity in its own right. Because um, as I was taught, there's not good or bad or, or good and evil. There's heavy and light. There's things that are easy for you to carry. There's things that are a burden for you to carry. And the fire ceremony helps us to let go of the things that are a burden and give them over to Mother Earth and allow her to give us back things that are, that are going to be much better in our lives. Um, I do shamanic house cleansings and something that I'm getting into uh, very soon. I haven't talked about it much elsewhere. Um, I'm starting a new thing that we can think of it as spiritual life coaching, but my, my term for it is spiritual dad. And oh, okay. what I mean by that is I realize that the word dad resonates with a lot of people. It's somebody that's there for your mental and emotional support. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, and I don't need to know exactly what your path is to know good practices, how to give you feedback, how to help you set goals, how to emotionally support you. And that spiritual dad service is one that we're going to be talking a lot about in the, in the upcoming future. And it's one of those things where I'm hoping I can have a few people that I'm sending text messages to and emails and having video chats with and, and really helping you to, to grow and find your own fulfillment. I just love that on so many different levels. But the first one that's coming to mind is that how that is building community. 
Oh, it really is. Yeah. I, I'm all about lifting other people up whenever I, it's worked against me a few times and you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I always tend to see the best in people. And sometimes that has been my biggest weakness as well. And sometimes been a big downfall, but I'm willing to take those scraped knees and those, those bruises and bumps because I really believe in the potential of people to, to grow and, I think the more that we can spiritually grow, the more I can help them see about right relationships, how to understand the world that they're interacting with, how to be on Mother Earth here in a lot healthier and happier way for everybody. So that's really what I'm aiming for. Yeah. Yeah. I, truth bumps. Just truth bumps are probably <laughs> all over, all up and down and everything. Yeah. And I, I do, I realize it's one of those things where I do realize that some people have a little bit of an issue with the word dad, um, you know, and, and, you know, cause some people didn't have very good relationships necessarily with their fathers and that sort of thing. But I do, there's the reason I chose that word is because I know so many people that are disconnected from their own families. They don't just have that support. And, and thankfully, people for a lot of people, there, there, there are women like you who are stepping up and, and showing their hearts to the community and, and helping people. But I don't think there's nearly enough positive and healthy and growthful masculinity out there. So I'm hoping I can share a little bit of that. I think that is just wonderful. Just yay you as a matter of fact. <laughs> yay. Um, can you share a little bit or would you like to share a little bit about the podcast that you do? Sure. Um, a really good friend of mine, Sarah Thodenson, and I have a podcast called Around Grandfather Fire, and we ramble about everything. Okay, it's, it's theoretically about shamanism and spirituality, and we do cover that quite a bit. Um, but it was really inspired, like, Sarah and I go to these various events, and we are the sacred fire tenders, which means that, you know, sometimes at two in the morning, it's just a couple of you sitting around a fire, Mm -hmm. and you're speaking truths, and sometimes those are profound spiritual truths and five minutes later you're ranting about a movie that you saw <laughs> but it is a truthful and organic process and we're trying to replicate that on our podcast so we cover all the sort of gambits and we found i found some really interesting things over time you know like how much various types of fiction like comic books and sci-fi novels yeah. and stuff have influenced our spirituality so we've made those connections uh, i've noticed we've had some really good interviews with people who are in the acting profession because how how important storytelling is but it's an underutilized sort of thing in a lot of the spiritual paths and and uh, so we're just kind of rolling with it we treat it like a sacred fire um, we, we just try to approach everything that we say as truth, but we have fun with it and talk about whatever we kind of feel compelled to talk about. And I have to say, as a listener, I feel very comfortable listening to the flow of it. Um, it just feels so comfortable and just like we're there in real life together, which obviously we're not. But, you know, it just feels that <laughs> way to me. Yes. Yeah, that's what, definitely what we're aiming for. We, uh, we have a lot of fun. So it's, it's a good time. Cool, cool. Jim, how can folks um, contact you about your services, get a hold of you? Um, the best way to get hold of me is, you know, you honestly can find me on Facebook. You can do a, uh, a Facebook search for Jim Two Snakes Shamanic Practitioner. And I, I use that term, Shamanic Practitioner. There's a whole article connected to the, the uh, Facebook page about why I'm using that term as opposed to something else. And you can find a website if you go search for Anchor and Fox, Anchor and Fox Consulting. Um, 
slash Jim Two Snakes, and then you'll find my page, which talks a lot about the services that I offer. It talks about the uh, podcast. It talks about my background. It covers a little bit of everything there. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode today. I'm just really excited to finally have met you in real life. And I love everything that you're sharing and the work that you're doing. It's just, it really does resonate out there in the world. I don't know if, I guess I'm just saying that as an observer that I just really feel the vibes that you have set up. I feel I'm all the way in Montana. So thank you for that. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate that so much. I, I really do. Okay. So thank you so much. And I will be talking to you soon. Okay. All right. Okay, thanks. Do you love what you're hearing on this podcast? I sure hope so. And if you are loving it, I ask that you show support by liking it and leaving a comment or review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. You can also show your support by sharing it with your friends and family. And I so appreciate your help. Thank you. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, here are some other podcasts that you might enjoy. Everyday Animism, which is a podcast which I co-host with two exceptional women, Kelly Harrow of SolentonArts.com and Branda Schnabel of SoulfulFocus.com. In this podcast, we talk all things animism and particularly how it impacts everyday life. You can find the podcast Everyday Animism here on Anchor or on your favorite podcast platform. Another podcast that you might enjoy is What in the Weird, and that is What in the W-Y-R-D, which is hosted by Kelly Harrell. Here, Kelly brings in the runes as she takes animism to a deeper level, and she also explores soul tending and sacred activism. The 20 plus years that I have spent writing, speaking, podcasting, and sharing what I know with you have all been to support your life and relationship with the animals and the other nature beings you love so dearly. I share what I know and intuit freely, a gift from my heart and spirit to you and the sentient beings of the world. It's a body of work grounded in love and infinite respect for all life, because we all do better when all creatures do better. If you find my work helpful, if an article or a podcast has inspired or informed you or expanded possibilities in your world, a donation would be deeply appreciated as a way to show your support. You can make a payment of any amount at paypal.me backslash Janet Roper, or simply go to my website, www.janetroper.com, and at the top you will see a tab that says Make a Contribution, and you can make your contribution there. I thank you very much. Your contribution makes my work sustainable. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have enjoyed hearing this, remember to subscribe to the podcast on Anchor or iTunes. And if you would like to follow more of my work, please visit www.janetroper.com.